Hey, Jason. I beg your pardon, Lieutenant. Uh, I'm not calling you Big X, okay? Look, the tunnel is almost done. Tunnel? Why I should have you court-martialed for not using the code word? Sorry. Siskel is almost complete. Excellent. And uh, how are Medved and uh, Malton coming along? <laughs> did we have to dig three escape tunnels under my house? Of course we did. Otherwise, the Nazis would spot us. Okay, my neighbors are not Nazis. The Petersons are fine people. What did I tell you? Your self-delusions always overpower my observations based on fact. Indeed, so tonight's the night. We shall use Siskel to escape to the woods, and then to the nearest movie theater. I can smell the popcorn now. But all the theaters are closed due to the COVID outbreak. Stop ruining this for me! Are all American officers so ill-mannered? About 99%. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, its reputation is great if you're like my grandpa. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. This is the movie that they like to watch on Thanksgiving. Oh, boy. But they never get their wish because Grandma wants to watch Sound of Music. And then a fight starts. And then everyone just sits quietly, staring at their turkey dinner. Trying hard to blot out the words they said to each other. And the holidays have officially begun. That's right. Was Grandpa right? Does Uncle Billy look like the next-door neighbor? (laughs) Hmm. You know, it's a digital age, you guys. You can watch both on different TVs. You have, like, nine of them. (laughs) We're rich. What movie can cause so much familial strife, Steve? It is the 1963 epic war film, I guess. Uh, War, jail, prison. Epic war prison movie. They say it's an adventure film. Fair enough, fair enough. Digging a hole is a lot of adventure. It's the adventurous digging of holes. and, And of course, we can only be talking about one film. That's right. The Great Escape. Oh, The Greatest Game. Yeah, with a cast of thousands. (laughs) Basically, and I gotta read them all. Yeah, all, and everybody's somebody. Mm, Everybody's something. Okay, The Greatest Game. Wee! Nazis again. Yay! Nazis again. (laughs) Not as many Nazis as I thought. No, very, very Nazi light, considering it's set primarily at a Nazi prison camp. Yeah. Yeah. Not where the actual prison camp was, but I mean, it's set there. Yeah, close enough. Yeah. Not as big as the actual camp Oh, was. not nearly as big as the actual camp, no. No. In fact, how wholly accurate is this true story, Steve? Uh, Do you think it's really, really accurate? Or contrived bullshit? A lot of it. A lot. I'm going to go far out on a limb and say it's okay. that second thing you said. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Hey, speaking of accuracy, do you have any trivia for this movie, Steve? I do have some trivia about the movie, although none of it is really about how historically accurate it is or isn't. Oh, okay. Uh, but I, I, I found some neat little tidbits that I thought the... Mm, the... I love eating your tidbits. Oh, I... That's why everyone comes in to listen to me eat your tidbits. Yummy, yummy, put yummy. Put them in my mouth. Okay, I'm going to put my tidbits in your mouth. How many people turned us off? Why would any of them? This is what they've been waiting for. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Tidbit number one. Mm -mm. Open wide. Ah. So so there are a couple of scenes in this movie where you might notice characters... 
you know, crashing into barbed wire or getting hung up oh, no. in barbed wire. And you might yeah. you might think to yourself when you watch that scene, oh, I bet that hurt. No. It didn't. I never did. It didn't. I know it's a movie. It's a movie. It's movie magic. And but what makes this, because of course it's fake barbed wire, but what I thought was interesting was they enlisted the cast and the crew throughout the production to help oh, yeah. to help make the barbed wire because the way they did it was they mm-hmm. took either it was either coils of, of rubber or sometimes it was actual wire that was not barbed or where the barbs had not right. had been clipped off and they tied little strings of rubber around it to to simulate mm-hmm. the appearance of the barbs on barbed wire so it looked like barbed yeah. wire yeah but then when you when you fall into it you don't actually get barbed because it's all just rubber right. and everybody including the actors including Steve McQueen and everybody during their downtime they were encouraged to help craft this fake barbed wire which i think is kind of cool huh. where else were they going to get it the fake barbed wire store you tell me there's not Who some bought the- you, you, t- you tell me there's not some supplier in hollywood that goes back to like 1899 that specializes in making fake barbed wire for hollywood productions wait and it's, do you think barbed wire only occurs in movies it's, it's but f- the fake barbed wire fake barbed wire well, maybe well, there's like cowboys out there that are like, look at that cow's totally real barbed wire. <laughs> I wouldn't go near it if I were you. Don't you try to escape, you cows. Don't don't look at, okay, bossy, bossy. Oh, great. Thanks, bossy. And she just walked right, well, now <laughs> right through okay, it. Well, now it's going to be real barbed wire, okay. and you can She's all thank bossy hurt. for that. She's gonna hurt in a second. You'll see. <laughs> no, it's okay. She's running. She's okay, running. It's don't okay. Wire, rest but... of the cows. <laughs> You can't see it, but there's lava all over your field. You can't go past. Don't go past the lava. Thanks. Call the real barbed Thanks. wire factory. Look, we are a partnership here. You stay here until we kill you, and you you pretend that we can pen you this. Oh, all the rest of them are gone. God damn it. I'm ruined. <laughs> damn you fake barbed wire people. I told you, you need to master the imaginary game before you can become a cowboy. <laughs> Shut up, Dad. <laughs> They're father and son. I get, yeah, so. I, you didn't have to explain that part. The part that I have to explain is, oh, okay, so cowboys uh, practice gaslighting on their cows <laughs> to get them to pretend that there's either real barbed wire or or lava. Because <laughs> <laughs> because a cow in its head can conceptualize lava where there is none. That's right. The cow can imagine. Oh, I wouldn't. Seen. I shouldn't like there to be lava. Know. I shouldn't like that right, to be guys, lava at all. Down. Everyone gather around. I'm going to explain to you what lava is. Okay, it's it's like molten rock. Lifts a hoof. What's molten? Oh, it's like it's melted. <laughs> you can like melt it. What's melted? What's melt? It's like what snow does after the winter. It melts. Oh, so it just goes in the ground. Got it. <laughs> no, so no, why no. are we supposed to be afraid of this again? But it's hot, like when we branded you. Oh, we don't like that, did we? Nope, nope, nope. You gotta, you gotta make references that the cow can understand. That's, that's right. the, that's the art of it. See? Can we do fifteen more minutes? On I this? would love to do. I would love to do a whole show just vamping on fake barbed wire and the various, <laughs> the various implications with the relationship of these cowboys to their cows. You've done one trivia item. All right. So here's another trivia item. Yay. During the filming of this movie, Charles Bronson, one of the stars, met mm-hmm. Jill Ireland, who was then married to Charles Bronson's co-star, David McCallum. And right. Bronson took a shine to Jill Ireland, and he told... They started fucking. He, he, told, he told David McCallum that he was going to steal his wife. And, That's right. And then four years later, he did. Do it in his voice. 
Hey, buddy. He, he stole his wife. Four years after this movie, after this movie came out, Jill Ireland divorced David McCallum and married Charles Bronson. Good for you, Charles. Way to steal that guy's wife. Do you blame her? No. Put them side to side. Mm. They look like a before and after picture. I'm just saying. It's, I would not. I, I, it's like a Muscle Man comic ad. Hey, Pally. Hey, Pally. Here's some sand in your face. And now watch me fuck your girlfriend. <laughs> Wait, were they married? Was McCallum married? Not, I, um, yeah, I believe so, yeah. Oh, dirty pool. Charles. Good for, I say good for you, Charles. He must have been long and strong to be able to get that. I mean, geez. She, I mean, was it Brit, Brit Eklund? No, it was Jill Ireland. No, not Brit Eklund. No, it was Jill Ireland. Oh, I, well, now it's Brit Eklund in my head. I can't even, I can't, don't even have a picture of Jill Ireland. What does she look like? I, I can't, I, I didn't look it up. I don't know. Were cows involved? I, do they have cows in Ireland? I don't is Jill, is Jill, <laughs> yes, of Jill, course they have cows in Ireland. Is Jill Ireland from Ireland? Do they have cows? What about birds? Is there you grass? birds in Ireland? Is there air? Is there water in Ireland? <laughs> what do you breathe in Ireland? Do the people have arms and legs like we do? <laughs> or do they roll? Are you a rolling <laughs> do people? Do they roll? And you put on arms and legs when you come visit? Are you, are you a rolling people of Ireland? <laughs> like out of Wizard of Oz, you just roll... I know they have arms, oh, and I know they have arms because they must have hands. Because how else could they make all those bombs? Oh my God! Are you kidding? Are you kidding? <laughs> they don't all make bombs, okay? No, they don't all make bombs. In fact, they haven't for a while. Right, the troubles are over, so they say. Yeah. Well, I mean, COVID—not uh, COVID, but uh, uh, Brexit's going to fuck that up pretty good. Yeah. Thanks for that, everybody. Thanks, Brexit. Thanks, Brexit. <laughs> Thanks, people who voted leave. Yeah, and if things go bad, you know what they're going to be buying a lot of? Whiskey. Barbed wire. Oh, right. Now, totito, listen up. That's totally real barbed wire, so you can't be getting over the wall. Okay. Well, what are you doing? Okay, you legless cows. Don't be rolling into right, the barbed Ian, wire. Thanks for just climbing right through it. You know we can't afford the real thing. <laughs> and now a, cl- a cow has climbed over the fence. Oh, Jesus. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. So let's go. What else is okay. that a little bit? Okay, I have, Infidelity I, and I, fake barbed wire. I have more trivia. Oh, good. I have more trivia. So everybody knows about the big motorcycle jump at the end of this movie. What? There's a motorcycle jump at the end of the movie. Oh, right, right, right. Everybody right, thinks yeah. it's so great. Um, it is great. It is. Yeah, it is. Uh, you do it. <laughs> I could. I just don't want to. I, I'm sure you could totally. So you hate motorcycles. I You've hate probably motorcycle. never been on one. I would crash a motorcycle into a tree just to destroy the motorcycle. <laughs> so Steve McQueen is on the motorcycle, but he does not actually perform that jump that we see at the end of the film. The stunt. No, he's doing a lot of stunt writing oh, for the movie. He a lot of well, a lot of the the motorcycle stuff that his character does. You can tell that it's him. Like the way I mean, you can but see. But did that you it's know him. that he was also doubling as German soldiers on the other motorcycles? I did not know that. Yeah, I did not know that. But he didn't do this. He didn't do this particular jump. It was actually performed by a friend of his named Bud Eakins, 
who was not really in the movie industry at this at, at, at this point. He was just a really good really. motorcycle rider, and and he mm-hmm. looked he resembled Steve McQueen faintly. So from a distance, More it looked less. like it looked like it could be the same guy. And he did the famous jump, and as a result mm-hmm. of that, he actually went on to have a pretty decent career as a stunt driver in movies and TV. He, did? he worked with Steve McQueen again a few years after this on Bullet, and he also mm-hmm. did a lot of these stunt motorcycle driving on the tv series chips in the 70s oh good so it, that's down it, he went down it, it pays to be buddies with steve mcqueen i guess i guess but i mean he goes high up with bullet and then it goes way down with chips well you gotta eat you know yeah and you know what you eat cows who were who were who were penned in with barbed wire with barbed wire and what did he crash into barbed, barbed wire. wire it's the the circle has closed Welcome to the show that's slowly turning into a conspiracy theory Uh, somehow. It's all connected. One last piece of trivia that I found absolutely fascinating. All right, let's go. I'm only kind of being sarcastic with that. Did you know, Jason, that the actual escape that this film is loosely based on? (laughs) So loosely. That actual escape took place on March 24th, and it just so happens that March 24th is the birthday of Steve McQueen. That's incredible. Isn't and that do you know amazing? Was, do you know what was present at the birth of Steve McQueen? What was present at the birth of Steve McQueen? Tell me. Cows. Cows were <laughs> present. They had come from far lands. They performed the C-section. They were the, th- anyway, it was the gift, and they brought him the gifts of the Mujai. You know how I feel about puns. You can fire me. I'm I'm willing to entertain this bizarre conspiracy theory that I'm trying to construct on the fly about the Great Escape, cows, and fake barbed wire. But you know, uh, you I okay, fine. It was clever. It, you came up with it off the top of your head. I did. Gift of the Mujai. I get it. It's really funny. I could see the Christmas card. You know, three cows riding on riding on on mm-hmm. uh, camels. Yeah, little baby Steve McQueen <laughs> in swaddling clothes, punching out a guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> grabbing Joseph by the collar. You're not my real father. <laughs> I have trivia. Are you done with? Yeah, yours? I'm done. That's all I had. Okay. Um, nothing in this is accurate. Oh no. Nothing. Now I hate there it. There was really an escape of that many prisoners, but there is a lot left out in the adaptation for this movie. Oh yeah. Mo- mainly Americans. There were no Americans. They added Americans in to sell to the American. Market. Well, yeah. Steve McQueen can't do an accent. Kind of like how all of these big budget movies in in the United States now suddenly have something to do in Asia, like really bad. They got to go to Asia for some reason. It's weird. I know. Even Batman went to Hong Kong for some reason. For I know exactly. You and I both know exactly for what reason he went to Hong Kong. Good food. Yeah, yeah, of course. And he's he's rich. Why not? Yeah, why not? What are you, the boss of Batman? Nobody's the boss of Batman. Batman was, to- except maybe Alfred. Maybe. No, Alfred could slap him around and make him feel bad. He knows exactly what buttons to push on Batman. Are you kidding? I just love the idea. We didn't even create like a context for it. Just Alfred slapping him around. Just just for whatever reason. Whatever wild uh, hair gets up his nose. Alfred had a bad day and he's just like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) When I tell you to take a nap, you take a nap. But Alfred, shut up. (laughs) Pull me down. When your parents were alive, you were never this much trouble. How disappointed they would be in you now. I'm taking a nap, Alfred. I love my body. When you wake up, there'll be French toast. Yay! (laughs) 
Ah, <sighs> oh, what you know, an abusive if relationship. Gets out of control, if he gets mind controlled or something, the only person that they would be able to bring out would be Alfred. Sir, we'll stop this this moment. <laughs> <laughs> You're out of mind with me, Alfred. <laughs> he holds up two corpses and they start talking to each other as he manipulates them. I'm very disappointed in my son. Me too. I wish we never invested any time in him. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> What were we talking about? And this is going to be the next Batman movie. <laughs> oh, right. Is it my turn? Yeah, you think? Because I really don't yeah. have any. Okay. Um, it was directed by Don's, Don by Don Blurbridge. <laughs> I'm just going to They don't pay attention that to legend, my section anyway. That legendary action director, Don Blurbage. I'm Don Blurbage, and I just made a movie. <laughs> John Sturges. Yes. And he also made The Magnificent Seven. And... There are other Other films. And other films. Other features. It was produced by him too, so I don't don't make me repeat myself over and over again, children. Don't don't make daddy angry. I'm not in the mood. It's been it's Thanksgiving time when we're recording this and I'm 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 holding on by a thread. I'm angry. I have I have undirected anger for whatever reason, and you guys are in front of me now, so you know. Don't make me repeat what John, John Sturgis did, even though I did fuck up his name. What am I doing? What am I doing? Why? And not a, and How did this become my life? Also, Steve? you know, we 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 just spent twenty minutes riffing on barbed wire and cows, and then and then <laughs> after we record this later, you're gonna listen to this. This is the last show. This is the last show, Steve. <laughs> you're gonna listen to this, and you're gonna be thinking, "What the fuck were we thinking? Why? Why?" <laughs> Screenplay by James Clavel, and you know him. He wrote uh, To Sir With Love and that Shogun book that became a miniseries in the 80s. Yeah. He's great. And also W.R. Burnett, who's done a lot, but nothing that you would recognize or know unless you're a huge fan of W.R. Burnett, to which I say, good for you. Um, based on The Great Escape by Paul Brickhill, he wrote a book about it. And uh, that's all I have to say about that. Starring Steve McQueen as Captain Virgil Hiltz. And he was in The Sand Pebbles and Bullet and The Thomas Crown Affair and Papillon. And he died too young. And a lot of people think he's cool. And he is pretty cool because he ain't that attractive, really, if you take a look at his face. But he was also a really good actor. Yes, he was. He acts circles around everybody else who's still in that old-fashioned movie actor kind of thing. Perfect dialogue, no pauses, no thinking. They know exactly what they're going to say. And then along comes Steve McQueen, and he's, like, pausing. And you can see him thinking about stuff and listening. And that's what makes him great. Very naturalistic actor. That's right. James Garner as Flight Lieutenant Robert Hendley. Holy shit, was he handsome when he was young. I know, right? Why wasn't he a bigger movie star? He was like a he was a star. He had a really good he career. Was, yeah. I mean, he did Maverick and he did uh, Rockford in the 70s. He was I mean, he was James mm-hmm. Garner, but why was he not a huge movie star? I don't know. He looked like a fucking superhero. Yeah, hey, no, he could yeah, if they had if they had made like big budget Batman movies. Could you imagine if he was Batman? Oh, he would have been perfect as Batman. If they had done a big budget mm-hmm. Batman movie in the 50s or the 60s, James Garner is your guy. That's right. But he's in that. Yeah. And uh, Richard Attenborough is squadron leader Roger Bartlett. And he's so young at this. Yeah, little. He's not quite little baby Richard Attenborough, but he's. Not quite. He's, he's not, you know, but, welcome to Jurassic Park Richard Attenborough yet. Right. Because he was that guy in, in Jurassic yeah. Park. And he also directed some movies. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, he, like Ga- directed, like he won the Oscar, I think, for Gandhi. Chaplin. Chaplin, yeah. Did, what do you think of Chaplin? Did not win the Oscar for Chaplin. 
No, he didn't. Chaplin was all right. I thought I thought Downey was great. Mm-hmm. Everything other than that was just kind of okay. It's just, it's a biopic. I mean, I don't. It wasn't as yeah. it wasn't as good. I mean, Charlie Chaplin is one of the great talents in the history of of cinema, or perhaps even American art just in general. He was a genius, and the movie about him is just kind of pretty good. So it, it yeah. suffers because like the subject is so gigantic. Yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Charles Bronson as Flight Lieutenant Danny Walensky. He's playing a Polish guy. Does a pretty good job, too, mm-hmm. actually. There was a once upon a time where Charles Bronson wasn't locked into that Death Wish character. The movies that you probably know him by. Where he had, uh, what's the word? Range? He was a very good actor, I think. Yes, he yes, was. Yes, he was. He was a very good actor. Uh, James Donald as Group Captain Ramsey. A lot of British stuff. Donald Pleasance as Flight Lieutenant Colin Blythe, and you know him as Blofeld from the 007, and he was the, the psychiatrist from Halloween, yeah. and he was the communist atheist in the, the Fantastic Voyage. And he was and the main villain in that classic mystery science theater movie, The Puma Man. Yeah, Puma Man. I'm just, there's so many names here. Steve. There's a lot of people in the, in the movie. There's a lot of people in the movie. All right, let's keep going. James Coburn as I laughed every time he talked. I'm sorry. James Coburn <laughs> as Flying Officer Louis Sedgwick. And you know him from uh, the uh, In Like Flint movies and the voice of uh, one of the monsters in Monsters Incorporated. And um, he's playing an Australian. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's right, right? He's not ta- He doesn't have a speech impediment. No, he is... He's- he is a, a wonderful actor with one of the great voices in all of cinema who just yes, just couldn't nail down that Australian accent, could he? And apparently the director did not give a fuck. <laughs> it's almost like... Because there are plenty of people doing accents in this movie that are nailing Oh, yeah. Most people. He's the only one. It's like, mm-hmm. I w- if they didn't repeatedly tell me that his character was meant to be Australian, there's no way you could pick it up. Nope. What is he doing? Nope. What is he doing? <laughs> is he all right? Is he all right? <laughs> come on, James. Come over here. Pet a cow. You'll be fine. <laughs> you can go in. You'll be fine. Uh, Just step Hans over the barbed Mesmer wire. Don't worry. As, it's not real. Hans Mesmer as uh, Oberst von Luger, the commandant of the camp. Lots of stuff. Mm. Lots of German stuff. Lots of stuff. Um, David McCallum as Lieutenant Commander Eric Ashley Pitt. And you may recognize him most famously from uh, The Man from mm. Uncle. For your younger kids, if you're into that NCIS shit, he plays a character on NCIS, too. Um, I remember him always playing someone vaguely Eastern European for some reason. Yeah. And he's Scottish. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, he's, you wouldn't think that he would be the type. No, but I mean, <laughs> he is. John uh, John Layton as Flight Lieutenant William Willie Dickens, a lot. Angus Lenny as Flying Officer Archibald Archie Ives. Oh, that's why his accent's so good. He's Scottish. Oh, hey. <laughs> uh-huh. A lot. A lot. Of, a lot of these guys are a lot. Um, let's just say they're a lot for the rest of them. A lot. I, I, I know I took notes. Okay, so Nigel Stock as Flight Lieutenant Dennis Cavendish. Robert Graff as Werner the Ferret. <laughs> Jude Taylor as Second Lieutenant Goff. Harry Rybauer as, oh, Harry Rybauer as Stabsfeldwebble, Stabsfeld, Feldwebble Strauwich, 
Steve. Let's go with that. Save your friends before I try and do it again. Stabswebelstrakwitz, I guess. Okay, I don't know. thank you. William Russell as Soren. Robert Freetag as Hopman Posen. Lawrence Ma- Montaigne as Haynes. Robert Desmond as Griffin. Till Kiwi. Till Til Kiwi. Kiwi, maybe? Kiwi? Uh, Kiwi? <laughs> as Frick. Hans Weiss as Kramer, Tom Adams as Dynamo. Dynamo. Die, I get it. I get it. I it's get a play it. on words. Ulrich, Ulrich Beger as Prescian, Carl Alter Alberti as SS Untersturmfuhrer. Untersturmfuhrer. Untersturmfuhrer Steinach. Quick thing before I move on. A lot of the guys in this movie served in World War II. Yeah, a few were even POWs. Bronson got injured. He was a... Huh? A few were even POWs. And uh, some of them were airmen. Yeah. Some of them were, uh, you know, uh, flew in the flew during World War II. Uh, Bronson got injured uh, during World War II. Um, he didn't crash. I mean, he got. I think he got shrapnel in his leg when they were flying over. Um, also, um, both Bronson and his character suffer from claustrophobia. Bronson, because he uh, dug, he worked in mines oh, when yeah. he was younger. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because he's a man's man. It, it's really a shame what happened to him as he as his his career progressed. He got typecast you know with the mean? Death Wish thing, and that's yeah. Because yeah, and then it, he kind of just stuck. There. Yeah, he never. No one ever. You know, come on, Tarantino. You could have reached out to him and put him in something something good. Yeah, him a little bit remind everybody that he's an actor. Exactly. Jesus I mean, you did Christ. it for Robert Forster. Yeah, exactly. And look, I love Robert. Me Forster. too. But when when was the last time he had made a good movie? Yeah, I know. Until. Th- uh, anyway. Fucking Tarantino. <laughs> Not rehabilitating the career of Charles Bronson. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Music by Elmer Bernstein. Hey, who has the quirkiest resume of any of the movie composers, Steve? Is it Elmer Bernstein? <laughs> yes, it is. <clears throat> Aside from this movie and dramas, he's also the composer for movies like Three Amigos, uh-huh. Ghostbusters, Cape Fear and cult classic Robot Monster. Yep. Weird. A man's guy. I think he's one of those guys. <laughs> he doesn't turn down work. Yeah. He's just like, whatever. What is this? Okay. Give me the money. What is it about? Cows and fake barbed wire? I don't care. Give it to me. I'll come up with something. <laughs> I think I've got something in a drawer somewhere I can fix up for it. <laughs> Cinematography by Daniel L. Fapp. And uh, he also lends West Side Story. And the movie that I love to hate. Maroon. <laughs> or the We Suck at Space movie. <laughs> Gene Hackman loses it in a spaceship. He has trouble shaving, and we go like, shit, they're losing it. <laughs> <laughs> edited by Ferris Webster, who's also edited Magnificent Seven, and a lot of Eastwood films. Production company, the Mirsch. Mirish. It's the Mirish Company. Distributed by the United Artists, release date to July 4th, 1963. Running time, oh, Steve. Yep. 172 minutes. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Budget, $3.8 million. Box office, $11.7 million. It was a great big hit. Not necessarily with critics. It was one of the worst reviewed movies of the year. 
But then again, the critics, I think, went a little crazy because also included in some of the worst-reviewed movies of the year was like the, like the Pink Panther. There was a lot of like things that have gone on to be yeah. classics, and the critics were just like, Meh. Were they just having a bad year that year? They were like, I don't like any of this. I think they're just a bunch of fucking idiots. That's what I think. I don't like any of these movies. These movies all <laughs> suck. They suck. I hate them so much. I hate much. these movies. What kind of movie would you like to see? I don't know. I want to see a musical. <laughs> I want to see a... Something with cows in I it. I want to see a musical about cows. I want it to be four hours long. <laughs> so just a musical with singing, dancing cows? Yes, and Julie Andrews. <laughs> and Audrey Hepburn. But I don't want her to sing. What, both? We'll dub her. We'll dub her. Julie Andrews will dub do- her voice Julie too. Andrews She'll will do all the singing. Herself. That's right. And I want her in a bikini. You make that. I never stop masturbating. What? I want her in a bikini. <laughs> I want her in a bikini. All right, Steve, are you ready to do this movie? Are you ready? Yes. You have your homemade tools? <laughs> yes, my... Th- are you stolen all the wood out of the camp? Absolutely. Don't. Well, you're surprised there's even structures left standing? Don't lay down in that bed over there, okay? Just trust me. You, you know how to get rid of the dirt? I'm going to put it in my pants. I'm going to eat it. <laughs> Yummy, yummy. I'm going to eat all the dirt. It's good enough for the trees. It's good enough for me. Surprised he didn't walk through and say, you there, you're in charge of dirt disposal. Okay, <laughs> you're going to eat all of it. What? You, you, the soldier. <laughs> tie him down, tie him down. <laughs> you, the soldier with pica. <laughs> We've got a great job for you. <laughs> Have I died and gone to heaven, sir? <laughs> Have I died and gone to heaven? <laughs> Could you possibly tunnel a bit faster? I'm out. <laughs> I've eaten all the dirt, you see. Can you tunnel to England, sir? <laughs> I think the tunnel should be 50 feet. <laughs> all right. Then let's you and me get dressed in civilian clothes. Mm-hmm. Have our fake papers ready and run into the world of the great escape. Mm, Steve, take it away. Trucks. No. Nope. Trucks on the road. I, or do we do we nope. get the the uh, the title first? The we get the title. We get the the, the disclaimer yeah, that first. This is that this is based mostly on a true story. Some characters are composites. This is totally a true story, except we changed the names, the places, and everything else. Yeah, except for all the stuff we changed. This is a hundred percent true. Except y'all. for the everything. They <laughs> said it's so, the way it's phrased. It's something like the details of what happened are the same. I'm not sure exactly yes. what that means once you've acknowledged that you've changed characters and places and dates everything but, yeah but yeah so the idea is it's mostly true <laughs> sort this of. doesn't have any of the people some of the people are amalgamations of like five different people it's not set where it's set <laughs> and we left a just bunch of stuff it. out god damn it just we don't why just do you like movies <laughs> i bet you think our barbed wire is <laughs> fake. sit there and shut up jesus you cynics just enjoy Steve McQueen for the next three hours, you pieces of shit. What more do you want? This is a happy story about escaping and freedom and then getting machine gunned to death. But it's still... Oops. But, never mind. Is <laughs> he going to race? But it's still upbeat somehow. Yeah. It's got fun music. Yeah. Dead, even though the guy's going to solitary. Yeah. We're just doing... Let's do the movie backwards <laughs> like, like in Memento. Yes. Oh. I wish all movies were backwards like in Memento. And there are inter- that was one of our first reviews, Steve. There are interstitials where Steve McQueen is in black and white and he keeps answering a phone. I'm not listening to you because I'm I'm nostalgic about one of our very first I know. We did, we did do Memento, didn't we? Yeah, we did. That's a good movie. It was. <laughs> we got to do it. Come on. Okay. Okay, we got the words. 
And now the truck's delivering prisoners. Yeah, it's 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 the prisoner delivery. Hooray! The, prison, the prisoner trucks are here. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so apparently these are these are mostly British prisoners, and they're being dropped off by the Nazis at this new prison mm-hmm. camp. Oh, it's World War II, by the way. And mm. they built the Germans have built this brand new prison camp. This isn't just happening in 1963. No, this is during the this is during the big one, WW2. That's right. What I call wooey. Wooey. The good war. You know, the good war. The good war. The one you can feel the one you, good yeah, The one that you shouldn't have any moral quandaries about at Unless all. Unless you fought in it. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you know better. Uh-huh. And we're talking about the good part in Europe. Yeah. Not necessarily the hellscape that you were in if you were in the Pacific exactly. Theater. Which will give you nightmares for the rest of your fucking life. The part life. that we mostly talk about. Right. When we fought white people yeah. that we understood. Yeah, exactly. And... Right, exactly. Not the other one where we didn't understand. Well, we did. The generals understood the the, the enemy pretty good. Like uh, they would never stop and <laughs> or surrender or do things like that. And, and we were like, no, we'll, we'll, we, I think we'll talk them into it, though, won't we? And we were always like, oh, they're still killing us. What? Is we have them outnumbered. Why haven't they given them yet? Not that part. Not the that European part. part. The, the, the European part. The quaint part. And we're at a prison camp. Yeah. And the commandant's like, hey, everybody, it's me. Uh, listen, we got some new people coming in. Um, that's great. Boy, welcome welcome all the new people. Make sure to show them around the place. We have a, we have a theater where we put on shows, and we have a large library where you can actually earn a degree because we have a professor from the, from the, through the Red Cross that can actually assist you to earn a degree while you're here in prison. And we have a, a large sports field and volleyball courts. There's a lot to do. There's a lot to do here um, because uh, we're managed, managed by the Luftwaffe and not by the fucking Gestapo. So uh, everybody settle in. Oh, by the way, this is Jason giving you true facts from history and not the movie. <laughs> yes, yes. They do mention the Luftwaffe thing. That be- the, They do bring up all yeah, of that yeah. stuff. When he says what's in the prison camp at the beginning of the movie when he's talking to, uh, what's his name? When he's talking to Attenborough. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, we have this, we have this, we have this, we have this. We get Red Cross. You can actually write letters to your families, right. all this stuff. That's all true. Yeah. Um, if you were going to land in any prison camp, in any POW camp, pray to God you landed here. Yeah. Because... It wasn't that bad. <laughs> no, and and I mean the movie certainly doesn't make it look that bad. I I no, can only assume that the real place was a little worse than this, but the movie version does not look bad at all. And so we meet. Uh, I think we they bring Steve McQueen. Actually, in. Steve, the the actual place was not that no. bad. Well, then shit. Get, it was. Get, I, let's get taken prisoner. Fuck fuck fighting in World War Two. Actually, <laughs> well, here's the thing. You never knew who you're going to wind right. up with. And this is 1943 Three. to 44. Things get pretty shitty. Um, yeah. But one of the other things that kind of get wrong is I think they established that this place is in Germany. Right. And it wasn't. It was, it in, was Poland. in Poland, the real place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty far away. Don't get me wrong. There are still Nazis in charge of everything. But at least you weren't in a prison managed by the Gestapo. Right. Um, you had the Luftwaffe, which were taking in. So all the prisoners are all captured airmen, right, from either shot down planes or what have you. Right. right. So they're all members of, well, in for the U.S., it was part of the Army. The Army Air Force or the Army um, Air Corps, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there weren't a whole lot of Americans in the prison camp at this time because we really hadn't entered the war fully. 
eventually they would build an entirely new compound just for Americans as they were being captured um, and to help them integrate and you know get along and stuff like that because uh, as I stated before the actual prison camp is I know when you think of the words prison camp but this one was not bad and it was state of the art too or as, as close as they can it was supposed to be escape fruit proof yeah. <laughs> well <laughs> <laughs> Remember, I'm tired of this filet mignon, and I'm tired of having to see the quite excellent show after we eat, and then <laughs> lounging in the pool. But I need to get out. <laughs> there's a there's a scene. It's right right after we see the arrival of the prisoners, when um, the the commandant is talking to Ramsey, who is the senior officer among the prisoners. Mm-hmm. And they're they're yeah. talking about this camp and, and Ramsey's like, you know, we're all gonna try to escape, right? It's our sworn duty. Officers are, yeah. are, are are trained. If they're captured, you're supposed to try to escape and take every opportunity to escape. And right. the commandant says, Yeah, I know, I understand. We expect that we'd do the same thing. We would thing. do the same fact, thing. We had a guy, a German who was in the Colorado who escaped and was picked up in St. Louis, so we know everything. Well, we're, you know what, we're on the same wavelength, you and yeah. me, so that's good. But he says, why don't we just try to get along and you get your guys to follow the rules and I'll get my guys right. to treat you all as good as we can. And he says, Let, yes. let's all just try to sit out the war as as peacefully as best possible, as best we can. And mm-hmm. that's the deal that is being pitched by mm-hmm. the the guards at this prison to the prisoners. We'll do right by you, you do right by us, and we all get to escape the war. We'll just be here while everybody else is fighting. We'll get out of the war. And Good plan. Yeah, right? <laughs> Isn't it? And... <laughs> Uh-huh. But of course, Ramsey doesn't doesn't go for that. And then when when Richard Attenborough's no. character Bartlett Big X shows up, it's he's being dropped off by the Gestapo right. after what I believe is being tortured. Yes, and he's the 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 gimmick of this camp is that these prisoners are all people who have repeatedly tried to escape from places in the past. That's right, because someone in high command said, "You know what would be a good idea? We have all these guys who keep escaping over and over again. You know, fifty times 17 times you know what let's put them all together <laughs> in one place so they can come up with a master plan to escape yeah. <laughs> let's consolidate all the escape artists so that they can learn from one another brilliant <laughs> what do you think would happen huh i don't know not definitely not dig three three tunnels simultaneously <laughs> i don't know what would happen but i can't wait to find out and that's the, these prisoners that are being dropped off along with Steve McQueen. Right. And the first thing, what is the first thing Steve McQueen does? What is the first thing he notice? The no man's land before the right. fence. Right. There's, there's, there's wire that defines the perimeter of the camp and there are guard towers, uh-huh. of course. And yeah. Steve McQueen pretty much immediately figures out that if you, st- if you stand right in this particular spot, you're far enough from the two nearest guard towers that if the guards are looking, are both looking away, you could basically just walk right up to the fence and do whatever you right. need to do. And he tests this out because he's talking to another. By throwing his yeah. ball. He has he, a ball. He has a, a baseball and a, and a baseball mitt and he's talking to another prisoner and he's like, well, here, I'll show you and he tosses his ball over over the warning wire which is sort of the closest that you're supposed to get to the fence and then waits for his right moment and then just strolls right on over to pick up his his ball but of course he gets caught 
Of course. And he says, I would just get my ball. And the commandant comes up and he said, okay, listen, everyone, I understand that there's a transition period, but can you please just maybe follow the rules? Because that would be great. <laughs> the we could all get along. I mean, we, we're having Swedish meatballs tonight, except for this guy who's going to the cooler. You're not putting me and in the cooler. Sent to the cooler. <laughs> him and Ivy get sent to the right. cooler. And uh, they put him in cells next to each other, and uh, Steve McQueen is bouncing his ball and catching it in his mitt in the cooler, and Ivy's like, hey, let's start exchanging ideas. Right, they start <laughs> planning an escape together, immediately. Immediately, yeah. just like Big X does as soon as he gets into his into his quarters. He turns around and he says... I don't, I'm not committing any of these names to memory, Steve. He turns around and talks to other British guy, <laughs> and he's like, okay, I'm Big X. Let's get all the guys together, yeah. right? And he has a meeting with a bunch of the other prisoners and basically says, all right, the Nazi thing about how we're all going to chill out and be friends and wait out the war, we're not doing that. We're going to... A guy's eating a chocolate cake from home. Why are we not doing that? <laughs> he's, he actually says, he says, basically, we're going to take... The the good conditions and all of the activities that are available to us here as prisoners and use that as the cover. Uh -huh. And yeah, absolutely. Go to the theater, do arts and crafts, start a garden, do all the stuff that they want you to do. Go to the library, Go, improve yourself. Yeah, do whatever, do all the, take advantage of all the facilities that they're providing for us and make it look like we're, we're doing what they asked us to do. But then at night, we're going to dig. We're going to dig three tunnels. We're going to dig from the closest buildings all the way out under the fence, mm -hmm. and we're going to get out of here. And it's not just going to be... Another guy raises his hand as he's being massaged by three beautiful women. <laughs> Wait, we're going to do we're what now? <laughs> And we're not. We're gonna. We're gonna leave. We're gonna leave this we're place. Leave? This place here. We're gonna leave it. Thank you, Stephanie. I don't understand. <laughs> I want to stay here forever. Does this happen before or after nightly ice cream? <laughs> exactly. That's what I want to know. So we have free room and board, <laughs> free food, free and we're not getting shot free at. Entertainment. <laughs> we're not getting shot at. And you want us to uh -huh. to spend all night, every night, digging a tunnel thirty feet under the ground. That may explain something to you, Gav. Back home, nights were staring at a radio by myself crying. <laughs> this is the greatest place I've ever been to. I hadn't had a warm meal in my life before I came here. <laughs> do you understand what I mean? Can you possibly fathom what it means at the age of 25 to eat a hot meal for the first time ever? We're going to do turtles. <laughs> I know how great it is here, but we're going to, need to get tunnels. We're going to, get, we're going to, need to escape this hellhole because those are our orders. I'm not going. Damn it! I'm not going. I'm not going. <laughs> I'm staying here, and I'm not going to let you right. ruin this Everyone for me. Everyone except Fortescue. Who Everyone else is out? I'm Fortescue. out. <laughs> I've got a lead. I've got a lead in the, the you know the play that shall not be named. It's bad luck to say it. Anyway, I don't want to give that up. All the lads are looking forward to it. I'm going to fill in the tunnel. If you build, if you try to dig it, I'm going to come in right after. I'm gonna put the dirt back in the tunnel. What do you think of that? Oh, you should you should tell. Nobody is going to tell anyone. I'm gonna tell the guard right now. <laughs> Oi! <laughs> yeah, but no. Yes, what is what is that? <laughs> are you done, gentlemen? Are you gentlemen done with the planning of the meeting? Right. Did you escape? Have you heard? Or do you need a few more minutes before we turn the lights out? <laughs> I'll tell the commander that you're still planning your escape meeting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Good luck. <laughs> 
But yeah, no, nobody, everybody's completely on board with trying to escape. And they mm-hmm. assign different jobs for different guys based on their skill set and their histories and whatnot. Like Charles Bronson guy is going to be one of the main tunnel diggers. James Garner's guy mm-hmm. is going to be the scrounger who's going to get whatever items that they might need. Donald Donald Pleasance's guy is the forger. You know, everybody has... And he's rooming with... Yeah, he's rooming with James yeah. Garner. Yeah, so everybody has their, their own job to do their... And he's half blind. Yeah, yeah. Already. Yeah, and that becomes, that becomes something of an issue later on. Get out I of town. Know. He's miraculously cured. Nah, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> or does he walk into a room with his eyeballs hanging on his cheeks going, Well, I'm done, lads. <laughs> What do you mean, blind? Of course I'm not blind. I can see my shoes. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was Michael Myers who did this to me. <laughs> All right, so this is where it becomes a mash. Of oh, things. yes. And it's basically a mash of them getting to the point where they start digging and how they're going to do the things that they need to right, do. Right, 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 right. Because they got to dig a tunnel. They've got to put supports in the uh-huh. tunnel with wood that they're just not going to... I'm surprised the Germans just weren't handing them wood. <laughs> you want some more wood for Everyone your tunnel? Everyone come out for the ration of wood for your tunnels. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> you don't want it to cave in on you. Auf Wiedersehen. <laughs> Say hello to the Gestapo that's going to kill you if you escape. We, we can't wait. <sighs> I'm surprised they didn't deliver a cake on the night of. <laughs> Good luck in your escape attempt. The commandant wanted you to have these sweet rolls for your escape escape. party. Say hello to the party of SS who will arrest you. (laughs) Okay, so they start taking slats off of the uh, the beds. beds. The beds had like 20, in real life, the beds had like 22 slats. And so they would take all but like eight or nine. Right. To make up, to comprise the walls. Because one tunnel is going under... Like the main command building. Mm -hmm. I don't know which one's which. One's going west and two are going. Yeah, and they name, they give them names. They call them Tom, Dick, and Harry, and they're digging three tunnels. They can't ever use the word tunnel, or they were threatened, we'll court martial you if you ever use the word tunnel. After we're referred to him as Dick, because that'll totally throw off the German. Impenetrable code. That's right. So you could walk up right in front of one of the German guards and go, okay, well, Dick nearly collapsed last night and suffocated two of the excavators. Oh, oh, it's true. Who is this Dick? So is Dick going to be okay? No, Dick will be fine. We just have to redig Dick, and then we'll be back. We, we're going to clear all that stuff out. We'll be fine. No one was hurt. Okay. What is you talking about? Is someone having trouble? Someone named Dick? <laughs> after the Ameri- after this prisoners walk away, the Germans turn to each other and go, I have no idea that all these American men dig dick this much. <laughs> I heard the rumors, but you know. I am, I am using this colloquial expression correctly. They dig dick. I thought it was propaganda. <laughs> I kind of want to see. Do you want to see? Of course I do. You know me yeah. and my, where my kinks are. Of course many I want of to them see are, someone many of them really are quite dig fit. dick. <laughs> Anyway, so they're scrounge. Uh, Scrounger has to get stuff. What does he have to get? He's got to get papers. It, so papers. He blackmailing yeah. this German guy. <laughs> yes, this poor schlub of a guard who falls for mm-hmm. his con immediately. Uh-huh. And, and and he take what he does is he ends up taking his wallet. He contrives some reason to get him into his his room and offers him like coffee and chocolate and whatever. And then the guard is like, "Oh, this is bribery. I have to report this." And as he's on his way out, James Garner right. bumps into him and lifts his wallet and then they use that mm-hmm. to forge their documents and stuff 
Yeah. And there's another guy making clothes and making fake uniforms for him. Mm, Donald Pleasance uh, goes blind making documents. Making documents, yeah. And uh, when he does go blind, he says, well, he can't go. You know, Miss Big X says, oh, he can't go. He'll be a hindrance. And Garner's like, no, he won't. You you bunch of jerks. He's my best friend. (laughs) That's right. And you're like, okay, fine, whatever. And he's coming with me. Charles Bronson is having freakouts constantly because he's claustrophobic. Yeah. But, I mean, they basically, it's a long time of them getting these things built, almost getting caught, then getting all this stuff together. Now, yeah. here's some here's some things about what really happened. A lot of the German guards at this at the prison at the prison itself were vehemently anti-Nazi. Yes, because a lot of them were were veterans of the German military before yes. the Nazis took over. They were either very young and injured or extraordinarily old. Yeah, and they did not like the Nazi Party and they didn't like Nazis, so they gave a large amount of support to try to help these guys escape. Not to the point where they just opened the gates and said, "Get out." They weren't. You know, they were there because the Gestapo was every. And so, you know, one of the guards did get killed by the Nazi party for what they believed assisting people to escape. Mm -hmm. Um, And the commandant was also not really up with the party either. Right. And um, he was replaced eventually um, because they felt that he was more sympathetic to the prisoners than any other commandant of any other prison camp within within, uh, occupied Germany. Yeah. And that's in the movie. Yeah, that's in the movie. And thankfully that is in the movie because you can see the way he's reacting to certain things that occur in the film, that he is sympathetic to what's going on in his camp. Doesn't mean he won't be a hard-ass and send someone to 20 Days in the Cooler, like he does with Steve McQueen or Ivy. So we have a bunch of tunneling hijinks. Like, doesn't one... One of them almost collapse on Ivy. Yes, or it does. collapses. And he, yeah, and that leads to a freakout, which leads to him running at the fence, which is never a good idea. No, and he gets ventilated. <laughs> he gets ventilated, and he falls on the fake barbed wire, and a cow comes up and licks his face as yeah. he dies. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't it hurt. Does, the bull, yeah, yeah it doesn't hurt. He's fine. He's okay. He's fine, but it's a lot of these guys' ingenuity and some of the things that they actually did in order to uh, perform this escape. And what they were hoping was that they would have a guy coming through the tunnel and escaping every minute. But a lot of shit happened. That right. Well, because the, the part of what makes this the great escape is the sheer audacity of the plan. They they wanted to get as many as 250 prisoners out. Yeah, all in at the one same night. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that the local town can go, who are these strangers here that don't speak our language? That's weird. <laughs> I know. It's the perfect crime. <laughs> They'll never suspect a thing. Hundreds of strangers coming in from the woods all at once. Mm-hmm. But the real guards in the real situation were the ones that were getting them train tickets, that were getting them documents yeah. so they could forge better. Um, so it was a really interesting camp and a much more interesting story. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Um, what else happens? Uh, Hiltz, the Steve McQueen character, talks to Bartlett and Bartlett, because Steve McQueen and and uh, Ives, before Ives got killed, they uh-huh. had sort of been working on their own independent escape plan that they exactly. cooked up in, in solitary, uh-huh. apart from the three tunnel plan. And when Bartlett finds out about that, he brings Hiltz in and he says, hey, if you want to try to escape through the fence on your own, that's great. 
you if you can make it out we really need intel on what uh-huh. the lay of the land is outside uh-huh. this camp so if you escape and can tell us how far away the town is where the train station is right. if there's any military you know installations around here uh-huh. and then just get your ass captured again and they'll bring you back uh-huh. and you can tell us everything we need to know and then you can As get out with us in the cooler <laughs> for another month and at first Hiltz is is reluctant because yeah. he's like why if i get out and i can get away why am i going to come back but eventually he, he figures a, a, it out after because... after ives is killed he mm-hmm. comes around and he says okay i'm i'm in i've not helped you at all but okay we'll do it yeah right yeah so with all this stuff making clothes and doing all this stuff and getting the papers together it's finally time for them to bust to, to do it they're going to do it right yeah and the tunnel is underneath the drain in the showers, isn't it? Yes. Right. The one that they end up using. Yeah. The one I that think. they end up using. Because the, here's the thing. Number one, in real life, the Commandant knew what was going on. He just couldn't prove it. Right? Right. He just couldn't figure it out. The way they designed the camp was that there was yellow sand at the very top that didn't match the dirt that was underneath all of the yellow sand. And so they had to figure out ways to dispose of the dirt um, you know, when they were doing it, and they couldn't just disperse it because the sand would start turning a different color. Right. But he knew that they were doing things like dropping it in the garden and dropping it anywhere else. The sand was very, very porous, so it made for bad tunnels, which means that it would need a lot more support. And he, they knew, they found one of the tunnels and yeah. dynamited it. Yeah. And I can't remember, did that happen in the movie? Yes. Yeah. When Remember at the, the 4th of July celebration when they're passing oh, around the right. moonshine? Yeah. They find yeah. The, the main tunnel, the tunnel that they were hoping to actually use, Tom. Repeat what you just said. One. The what celebration? The 4th of July celebration <laughs> in prison. Yeah, even though there weren't any really any American uh, any Americans uh, prisoners yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but you know, uh, accuracy, schmaccuracy. Steve McQueen wants to have a Fourth of July celebration. <laughs> Steve McQueen's going to have one. <laughs> but now it's time. They're all getting dressed up in their civilian uniforms and they start taking the tunnel. And there's a little roller thing, and yeah. you tap on it, and they pull you all the way, and then you have to get on another roller thing, and you go all the way down to the end, and then you climb up a ladder to get up to the top. And what's wrong? <gasps> Uh-oh, well, they were hoping to have tunneled all the way into the woods, but yep. when they when they break through the surface, finally, on the night that they're going out, they discover, to their horror, that they're about 20 feet short. So when they come out of the tunnel, they're actually going to be in the middle of the open field between the edge of the camp and the woods, mm-hmm. and they're going to be completely exposed. So someone needs to go out there with a rope yeah. and, and, and time it, right? Right, and who's and that, the badass that does that? That's Steve Motherfucking McQueen, the character that doesn't exist. Anyway, he goes out there, <laughs> and so he ding dings on the rope, and then guys can come out and they run into the they run into the woods. Right, and uh, they're doing that, and then oh no, Steve, it, it's time for Charles Bronson's character to go, but he has a freak out. Yeah, he does in the he, tunnel. He, yeah, so he ha- he goes the wrong way through the tunnel and slows everything down because he has to get out before well, they can send someone back is, through. Is there's an air raid. There's an air, yeah, and and they kill the lights. Like they Mm -hmm. they turn off all of the electricity in the camp, which is actually good for the people that go through the tunnel because then the lights are off. Yeah, because they can be getting tons of people out. Yeah. Yeah, they just they can just there's no searchlights, so they can just get out as quickly as possible and just run for the woods, which they do. Mm -hmm. But then the lights come back on. Yep. Yeah. No, well, at first Bronson has a freak out. Someone has to crawl down to the tunnel and light the fat lamps that they have created. Right. And then they start pulling them out, but then the lights come back on. 
and uh, what's his name? Attenborough and his dude are like, we got to go. Yeah, Bartlett. And yeah. Like, okay. And they go, and then they have to stop because one of the dudes that gets out falls down and they oh, go yeah. Anyways. And the guy's like standing practically on top of the guy who's laying down on the grass swinging his flashlight around going I could have sworn I heard you guys are escaping tonight right that's what was on the bulletin oh you're making this so hard for me <laughs> but the guy that's waiting to come up out of the hole gets impatient and he comes up out of the hole and he gets he, uh oh he gets discovered yep oh the, the, the jigs up and then like 30 guys who are waiting around in the forest decide to leg it yeah and you know, they discover the tunnel, and all the guys come out of it, and we're like, oh no, and only 76 guys got out. Yeah. Instead of the 200. And now the movie changes. Yes. Okay. Because now all these guys didn't figure that they were escaping from one prison to a much larger prison, which was Nazi-occupied Poland, but right. I te- technically it's Germany, I guess, yeah. in the movie. Yeah, and, and now, because now they they're, they have to get out, not just of... of the prison camp but of the country in order to be safe because they got to blend in yeah and they've scattered and the guys who have train tickets and papers have all gone to the train station there's like 90 guys yeah (laughs) but there's a lot of them there including uh you know mccallum's character and and attenborough and his pally and james garner uh, and uh, donald pleasance yeah and they get on the train and then for some reason i guess garner and pleasance didn't have papers Right, so they have to jump. This is going to be easier to do if we just do them one at a time, guys, because we can't keep jumping back and forth. So they jump off the train, and then they find an airplane somehow. <laughs> yeah, they steal an airplane, as you James do. James Garner beats up a guy. Yeah, he does. Oh, he kicks the shit out of his Nazi ass. <laughs> and then they steal a plane, and they're going to fly their way to Switzerland. Yay! And But then the lousy, rotten Nazi plane breaks down, and it crashes. Yep. And him and Pleasance get out, and Garner's hurt his leg. And uh, Pleasance comes walking up over a hill, and he sees some cars down at the bottom of the hill. And he turns around, and he's going to run back toward James Garner, and he gets shot, and he's dead. Uh-oh. And um, James Garner gets captured again. Yeah. And he's all bloody, and he doesn't look good. And he feels bad. Yeah. He feels bad. Well, yeah, because Donald Pleasance's final words to him are, thanks for getting me out. Right, exactly. Which is like, oh, dude. Twist the knife, why don't you? <laughs> and luckily, he didn't say it sarcastically. Thanks for getting me out, <laughs> asshole. Uh, ee ah, dead. Um, so then, let's see. So let's do James Coburn. Yes, the Australian like a, gentleman. He brought a steamer trunk with him. Um, he does probably the smartest thing, I think, in the movie. If you want to blend in real good, get on a goddamn bicycle. Because you just disappear the minute you get on that bicycle. And you're moving too fast for anyone to slow you down and question you or get a good look at you. And you just look like a natural part of the European landscape of dude on a bicycle. Yeah, it's it's not remotely unusual. mm -hmm. Yeah, He eventually makes it to France. Is it France? I I think so. Yeah, he does. Because he's trying trying to get to... uh, Trying to get to Spain, uh-huh. and he's at a cafe reading a newspaper, and some fucking Nazis show up. Yeah, and they're drinking stuff, and then the guy, the guy who's running the cafe, um, goes, "Bring, bring, bring, bring! Oh, telephone call for you, sir." Yeah, 
Exactly. Get and over he goes here. Up, he goes into the cafe to take the telephone call, and then he gets to witness a good old-fashioned uh, uh, rev- uh, resistance, resistance drive-by. Oh, they godfather their Nazi asses, too. They, <laughs> yes, they, they, they drop down out of sight under the counter. The car drives by and just shoots their <laughs> Nazi asses full of holes. It's beautiful. And they're like, are you are you English? And he says, no, by crikey. <laughs> I'm, I'm a Australian. bloody Australian. Are you sure you're just not the crazy person? No. <laughs> Even the crappy one that I'm doing right now is better than what he did. You're, yeah, it is. His isn't even close. <laughs> It's not even like throw another shrimp on the barbie. It's not even <laughs> close. But he says, are you the resistance? They're like, yeah, of course we are. We're badasses. And he's like, can you get me to Spain? And I'm like, well, let's see. Let's, we, can, we can work something out. And they take him all the way to Spain. He meets this, this Spanish guy. And he's like, hola, señor. Welcome to España. And he's like, great. And they hand him a margarita. I know that's from Mexico. Get off my dick. <laughs> they imported <laughs> it. What? And he goes walking off towards Spain. And he makes it. Yep. Hooray. Uh, Charles Bronson and his buddy, the guy who's been helping him out through all of the claustrophobia stuff, they uh, get in a boat. They get in a... First, they get... Yeah, they get in a boat, and they row their way all the way to the ocean, as near as I can tell. Apparently, yeah. (laughs) And they make it. They make it. Uh, 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 Attenborough and his buddy, they get on the train. They get off the train. There's this big line. McCallum's waiting in line, too. And there is a stop uh, where they're checking papers as you get off the train. And uh-oh, there's a guy. There's a guy on black coat. Yeah, and he recognizes and Bartlett. He recognizes Bartlett. And McCallum sees him recognize Bartlett. And so he, he pushes him over and shoots him in the chest. And he starts running away. Yeah. And everyone scatters. And then the Nazis shoot him. And he falls down. And he, ooh, he are dead. <laughs> but then Attenborough and what's his name? Uh, get on a bus? <laughs> well, they try to, right? Eventually, they, they get onto a bus. But the guy, well, the but guy they tried to get on a bus. Because the, the guy catches like, him up because he says yeah, he he's, he, they're speaking French. And then right as they're getting on the bus, he says in English, good luck. And Attenborough's dipshit buddy goes, thanks. Oh, oops. And oops. there you go. And they run away and then they get captured. And then Attenborough almost gets captured and then convinces some people that he's a German. He turns a corner, is reading a newspaper, and then that dickhead Unsterfuhrer Steinach finds him. Yeah. And he's like, your German's pretty good, asshole. <laughs> Meanwhile, at some fucking Gestapo headquarters, there's some dick who's interviewing every person they capture and then throwing them all in a room. And they're like, oh, you got captured too. And they're like, yeah. yeah. And eventually they bring him to that room. And they're like, you, what did we say we were going to do? <laughs> <laughs> we warned you about this. Meanwhile, Steve McQueen uh, kills a man. Yeah, um, he sure does. He takes a wire and he stretches it across the road to cause a motorcycle to crash. All of this was because he wanted to ride a motorcycle. Yeah, Steve None McQueen of this asked. Was present. Yeah. None of this was present in the script. No. Steve McQueen starts, wanted to ride some motorcycles in the movie. And he dresses up like a German soldier and starts riding his motorcycle. And then eventually someone goes, hey, you look funny. And he kicks him over and then they start chasing him. <laughs> and then he goes up to a barn and he's about to have a shootout. But they decide we're going to go this way. And then he rides around some more and he keeps driving. He keeps riding to places where there are Germans. I don't understand because he's right at the border now. Right. Between Germany and they have an inner fence and an outer fence. And the inner fence is lower and has barbed wire in it. The other one is higher and also has barbed wire on it. 
and he's riding his motorcycle around, and he's riding his motorcycle around, and then he finally jumps one, turns around, and then they bing bang shoot him, and he he falls over, and he gets in the barbed wire. Yeah, and then he gives up with that smile on his face. <laughs> I love that. There's a, a nice bit where he he shows him his captain's pin, which is something yeah. that he does a couple of times in the movie. He's mm-hmm. like, ah, hey guys, don't shoot me. I'm an officer. Check it out. That's right. And so he gets captured. Did we cover everybody that we're following yet? Is there anybody else? I think so. I think we covered all the major characters. Okay. So they load all the guys that they've captured into a truck. This is going to end well. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, I I just remembered I overlooked a scene almost intentionally. James Coburn at one point climbs into a freight train in Germany. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And it's just a regular freight train. He just opens the door and climbs in it, and he rides in it for a little while. But... Holy shit, does that imagery trigger you? Yeah, for real. Now, I don't think it did in 1963, but for me, it was like, is this going to a dark place that I yeah. don't remember it going to? Yeah. Oh, there was the guy who got on the truck, remember? Oh, that's right. Yeah, and he gets captured too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, these guys, are they, they think they're going back to the base. Ha, 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 ha. And a fucking lying SS officer, they pull over and he goes, okay, now is for the time that you stretch your legs and definitely not get shot by a machine gun and fall over dead all the time. Okay? Just nice the stretching of the legs. Get out of the truck. <laughs> and they get out and Richard Attenborough's like, you know, even though we failed, I, I feel that... I can't wait to see my family again. You know, I'm only one day from retirement as a prisoner. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see my my baby son's face. He was born while I was here. I know, and things are looking up for us. Yippee! Dead. I say when we get back, maybe I'll do one of those play things <laughs> that they were doing. I think I'd make a good Hamlet. <laughs> No, what, in what reality, really in the movie, direct. it is a fucking punch in the stomach. Mm. And we should have seen it coming. In real life, they shot them in ones and twos. And I guess they figured, hey, we're at three and a half hours. We can't do that. We got to get this out of here. Come on. We got to take Round them up in a group and just let's shoot them. Let's make the audience feel bad. by a, And then immediately reversing it with uplifting music when McQueen comes back to the prison. Yep. And... Uh, he shows up. Some other American somewhere comes out of nowhere and throws him his mitt and his glove. <laughs> yes. The commandant is being replaced by a new guy. And the commandant's like, I am, it looks like you're going to see Berlin before I ever do. He says that. Who does he say that to? He says it to the RAF officer in charge of the prisoners. Yes, that's The right. one that couldn't go because he has a bad, a gammy leg. Yes. Yeah. And the... Uh, we lead Steve McQueen into the cooler. The guy, the German soldier, locks him in, and then we can hear the sound of his ball being knocked back and forth. The end. The end. Dedicated to the 50 who got machine gunned in the face. <laughs> yeah, it's just something like that at the end of the movie. <laughs> they put a little more respect on it than I did just now. Just a tiny bit. It just a says this bit. is dedicated to the 50. To the 50, right? yeah. Three got out. That's right. Not those, not those three. Not. <laughs> it was actually two Norwegians and a Dutch dude. But I mean, uh, you know, at least we got a little bit of happy ending. Claustrophobia yeah. guy made it. Yeah. And fake Australian guy made it. <laughs> fake Australian guy. He made. Hey, I like to think he made it all the way back to fake Australia. A <laughs> <laughs> kangaroos are dogs with things tied to them. <laughs> None of us have ever even been to Australia. Mm-hmm. Not very many people know this, but New Zealand used to be called fake Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Those of us from Australia still call it that. 
Um, I would like to apologize to everyone in New Zealand. I still want to live there. So. It's oh god, I would love to live in New Zealand. <sighs> what a anyway, wonderful place. Anyway, hey Steve, place. how do you yeah. feel about this fucking movie? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so the, it's a very clever movie. It's a very a very likable movie. It's well acted, yeah. and it, it 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 feels like what it is. It feels like a product of the waning days of old Hollywood. Mm-hmm. There's a very old Hollywood feel to it, and the tone, and the casting, and the look, everything about it. Except for Steve McQueen. Except for Steve McQueen's acting. That's true. That's true. It's mostly a procedural, as you were saying during the the plot summary. The mm-hmm. uh, definitely the first half of it, and even really everything right up until they actually make the escape attempt, is concerned with the details of the escape. What are they doing? How are they doing it? And yeah. how how much you enjoy the film depends on whether or not you find those details as fascinating as the filmmakers obviously right, do. Right, exactly. And fortunately I mostly do find them fascinating so I mostly like the movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm going to say. It's three hours long and that's too long. The movie doesn't need to be three hours long. I, I understand the length to a point because the escape plot is very complex and we are dealing with a large cast of characters. A huge even, cast of characters. A huge cast of characters. But even with all of that, I feel like the running time sometimes feels padded because, for example, it's one time, it's one thing to share with us this ingenious system that they've devised for disposing mm. of the tunneled out dirt by putting it in bags that they hide down their pant legs and then they pull a pin out and it runs out underneath their the cuffs of their pants. That's mm-hmm. that's really, really clever, and I'm glad that they include that. But then there's a scene right after that where we see them disposing of it over and over and over mm-hmm. again. It's we, we see we get we hit the same beat three, four, or five times of guys walking out and standing in the little flower patch as the other guy is raking and letting the dirt mm-hmm. out. And it's like, all right, all right, yeah, that's what they're doing. We get it. Mm-hmm. Also What were the prisoners uh, doing? Wait, they were gardening. They were gardening. Yeah. Were they growing food? I don't know. Did we ever see what they were gardening? They're growing flowers. Yeah, flowers. <laughs> Pretty flowers. And also, they, they got they got potatoes yeah. from somewhere because they made moonshine with potatoes. Oh yeah, they did. They got red cross in real life. They got red cross deliveries all the time. Yeah. And uh, to prevent fights, the commandant and the RAF officer that was in charge with them um, worked out a system so that everything got distributed evenly, mm-hmm. so that some guy with rich fucking parents didn't live <laughs> high on the hog. Right. Anyway, there's me talking about real life again. What am I thinking? <laughs> well, the other thing, the other thing about the movie that I think I don't know, it's 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 an interesting subject to talk about because the film for a film centered on a daring escape from a Nazi prison camp, there's really not a whole lot of suspense in this movie. And no. ma- and maybe maybe it's unfair to hold that against the movie because I don't think it's really interested in being a suspenseful movie for the most part. No, the, it's an adventure film. The things that are going on tonally in the film are interesting. And, and I mm. say they're interesting because it's not as if I don't like them because I do for the most part like the movie. It's more that it's a sometimes it's a challenge to figure out what the film is trying to do like at mm-hmm. the at the very beginning we get we get the caravan of vehicles coming into the camp to drop off the prisoners and that's when we first hear that really like jaunty upbeat oh yeah mark the famous thing it's like it's like right. this is the music for the nazi prison camp escape movie well for and, this one for this yeah. prison camp and and throughout the film the score not just that particular phrase but the the score in general it seems determined 
to keep putting us at ease, to let us know that, oh yeah, sure, hey, they're being held captive by Nazis, but they're digging tunnels and forging documents and plotting the great escape. Isn't this fun? They're trying to get out, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why, even though I like the movie, none of it really hits me very hard emotionally. You you say that when, when the 50 get machine gunned, it's a, it's a punch in the gut, and I agree that it should be, but it didn't really hit me like that when I watched it. it, it really? Because yeah. we've been following these guys along, and they've been making it through, and they've been doing things, and there was never really a clear, until, until uh, what's his name gets shot, until uh, Ives. Ashley Pitt. Oh, yeah. When he well, gets I, shot I, yeah. on the train tracks. Yeah. Do we understand the stakes that are kind of involved? But even that is like, well, he shouldn't have run. He wouldn't have gotten shot. The fact is, is that situation where all 50 of them were gunned down actually happened. Right. The method that they did it was incorrect. But what it fails to point out, I'm just taking over now, Steve. You no, go. go to sleep. <laughs> what it fails to point out is that in real life, this escape reached Hitler. Mm -hmm. This got reported to him and he said, kill all of them. Right. I want them all dead. And they had to literally negotiate back and forth and say, do we have to kill all of them? Can we send some of them back? Mm -hmm. And Hitler said, kill more than half of them because they were afraid that this would have reprisals with the POWs that are being held by the English and by, by the U.S. Um, right. As far as treatment is concerned. And so they kind of made it. They made a bunch of dumb decisions. They were like, well, this guy's last name is Churchill. We can't kill him. He might be related to Winston Churchill. <laughs> right. You know, one guy had a last name of Nelson, and they let him live because they were afraid he was related to Admiral Nelson. Um, you never know. Right. But, I mean, until they're all machine gunned by the fucking Nazis at the end, it's a pretty upbeat. There's some tension there about them. Mm -hmm. Are they going to escape? Who's going to escape? You know. Um, so I felt that. I, I felt that the first time I watched it, I mm -hmm. remember first time I watched it, I was like, wait, this is how this movie ends? <laughs> <laughs> I felt it in the sense of, oh, that's too bad. Oh, but okay. it didn't reach me. It didn't move me in a profound emotional way, the way tragic scenes like that in other movies have done. I, yeah, I didn't it, I didn't feel the gut punch. I felt like, I oh, too, that's too bad. But I didn't feel it. I thought it was it. interesting the way it was presented because here you have Attenborough talking about, you know, why they did it and how it made him feel. And he yeah. doesn't even get to finish his thought. No. And I thought, ooh, that's an interesting choice. Yeah. You're taking away this guy's uplifting speech at the end about having gotten captured and what it means and all that other stuff. And they're like, hi, real life stepping in for a second. <laughs> <laughs> can I just take, can I just have a second to machine gun yeah. him? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I was kind of like, is he commenting on the tone of the rest of the film in that scene? I mean, is maybe. Like, I mean, because the rest of it is kind of mythic, right? Yeah. I mean, these guys are, in, in, you know, they're, they have a lot of ingenuity and upbeat and, oh, how many people are going to get out and, oh, are they going to get caught and all this other stuff. And then the for me, that, that machine gunning is a slap. I can understand why you weren't as heavily impacted. Yeah. But the first time I watched that, I wasn't expecting that. I was not expecting such a cold lens because it's done with no music. Yeah. And it the, the deaths appear off screen. It's shot, it's shot right? from a distance and the deaths are off screen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But then to have the choice to immediately switch to that uplifting music instantaneously was almost as if someone snuck in here and edited this scene into the movie. I don't <laughs> Exactly. Well that's I mean the thing about it is and I think the reason the reason why that the machine gunning scene doesn't doesn't knock me flat the the way it maybe maybe they, they wanted it to is that the movie the I, I find the movie in general to be diverting while I'm watching it. 
but mm-hmm. it doesn't really linger with me. And mm. I, I'm sitting here talking about it with you, and I remember it, and I remember enjoying it for the most part. But it does—it's not the kind of movie that that like stays with me emotionally. It's not the kind of right. movie that uh, if you and I went to see it at the theater, we would probably talk about it for about five minutes, and then mm-hmm. halfway, you know, on the halfway through the drive home, we'd be talking about what do you want to get to eat. You know what I mean? Right. It wouldn't be the kind of movie where we would be so preoccupied with it mm-hmm. and engrossed in it that we would right. be talking about it all night. That does we mean it's a bad wind movie. Up fighting about the merits of the, the argument between Burger King and Carl's Jr. Exactly. And I'd by be the like, time I got I, home, it would yeah. just be kissing. So I mean, what would? <laughs> and then it's oh, moot at that point. Time. It's completely moot at that point. You're like, you just you'll you'll order you'll order Chinese afterwards. That's maybe just we'll what... incorporate some of the movie into the play, but who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but I mean the the <laughs> the cast of the movie is fantastic. One of the one of the pleasures of the movie is getting to watch just getting to watch these actors play together. Yeah, that's Every, true. Everybody is solid. McQueen is the standout, and as you point out, stylistically he is kind of out of step with the rest of the cast, but but in a good way, in a way that makes mm-hmm. him stand out and really makes him seem like a movie star. Oh yeah, it does. This this cemented him as yeah. a movie star. He he is such a movie star in this movie, and, and James Garner is great too. He's and and his his character is a good match for his persona, and there's uh-huh. a lot of pleasure in seeing how his character works. Seeing people will ask him for things, and then we get to watch him get those things. And right. they ask him for, I need, we need papers to forge, and you're like, how the hell is he going to get those? And then we see he he talks up the guard and lifts his wallet, and it it's just really entertaining to watch. And most of the main characters have their little bit or their little trick that they do. That their thing. Yeah, that that yeah. gives us an emotional purchase for them. So we like, okay, he's that guy. He's that guy. And it helps right. to hold our interest and, and give us a little bit of something to, to root for them for or, or to think of them. But there's that breezy tone through the whole thing that simultaneously is what makes the movie work, but also kind of undermines, like it undermines how impressive the escape itself is. Because uh-huh. and and maybe some of this is true to life. If you say that like the the actual POW camp was not the most dire conditions, and a lot of the guards I'm give sort you of an knew example, about it. Steve, are you ready? Yeah, please. The camp and the commandant protected a Jewish airman ah. and kept them at the camp. Well, that so was nice of them. They they really did not like the Nazis. Right. <laughs> well, the thing about the as far as the movie goes, be, and it goes back to what I said at the beginning which is there there's not there's just not a lot of suspense throughout mm-hmm. the movie it, so we're, yeah. we have this story about these sol- these soldiers who are carrying out this audacious escape under the noses of the nazi guards and i will give it i will say this during the actual escape when they're actually having people go through the tunnel and charles bronson has his freak out and then they have to improvise mm-hmm. the bit with steve mcqueen in the rope because the tunnel is short there is genuine tension in that that's oh, a yeah. really well done sequence, and there is palpable tension in that stretch of the movie. But for most of the film, it feels like the guards aren't even paying attention. Like there, there are no. co- there are there are a couple of close calls, and there there is the Tom Tunnel, which had been the main tunnel being discovered, mm-hmm. and then they have to go back and start digging one of the other tunnels. But yeah. like even that doesn't even seem to slow them down. Their nope. big tunnel gets discovered, and the next day they're like, "Well, let's just dig the other tunnel," and it doesn't even yeah. seem to affect the the plan at all. It's as if the Nazis decided to put all the escape artists in one camp and then just kind of let them do 
their thing, which That's I guess exactly is, which I guess did. is what happened in real life. <laughs> And so the result is a pretty laid back prison camp, which yeah. which I'm sure was nice, relatively speaking, for the prisoners. Mm. If you had to get thrown into a Nazi prison camp, this is the one you wanted to be in. Yeah, but yeah, it, be but one it, managed by the Luftwaffe. Yeah, yeah, but it but it saps a lot of the tension and a lot of the suspense out of the story. Technically, the film is absolutely superb. The the mm. action sequences, especially Steve McQueen's motorcycle stuff, is so well done, really well yeah. shot. The stunts are fantastic. The big motorcycle jump is great. And what I love about it is how understated it is. Oh, it's super understated. If it's, you don't understand yeah. what that guy's doing... It just looks like oh okay. I I had actually I don't know if I don't know if we talked about this before. This I had not seen this movie before. Oh no. Uh, this okay. was this was this was the first time I watched it watching it for this. But I knew certain things about it. And one of the things I knew is part of the reputation, part of the legend of this movie is the big motorcycle jump. And I kept uh-huh. waiting for it and waiting for it. And when he does that jump where he leaps over that first row of barbed wire fence, I was like, was that it? Uh-huh. Because it's it's so well done, but it's not underlined. There's no dramatic nope. music. There's no like dramatic shot and angle up as the as as the the motorcycle leaps across the fence. It's just he rides up to it, he hits that incline, he leaps over it just as smooth as you like, and it's so uh-huh. well done. It's beautiful. But it's so understated that if you're expecting a big spectacular jump, you're uh-huh. taken by surprise. You're like, "Well, was that was that it? Cuz that was cool, but was that uh-huh. it?" For the guys who watch this movie and know what we're talking about about the jump, what made it difficult was he was doing a hor- perpendicular horizontal jump over over uh, I think of, I think it was about five feet, and it was made of wood. And even though the wire was not actual barbed wire, um, he was doing it on wet soil, grass and wet soil. If he fucked it up, he landed on the inner wall, which would have fucked him up totally or the outer wall which would have equally have fucked him <laughs> when he was conducting the jump and it doesn't look like what it's not like in a movie today where the jump would have been shot in three different cameras yeah two of which were doing it in slow-mo it was just one shot wide enough to capture the jump and it's very understated. I agree with you. It's if if you've been sold on this movie based on the motorcycle jump, you were probably expecting like over a bridge killing three oh, yeah. Nazis at the same time. Spectacular, you know? yeah. But yeah, it's it's once you see it and you recognize it for what it is, it's a spectacular stunt, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's it deserves to be sort yeah. of canonized as one of the great stunts because it's it's Which just it fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It, exactly. It has been. And it's it's what, like I said, before I saw the movie, it was one of the things about this movie that I knew before I had ever even seen it. This was the movie with the famous motorcycle jump. And it's great, but it's surprising how low-key it is. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the, mo- the movie itself, to just to, to sort of close things out for my part here, like the, the movie itself is, it's so well executed. It's fun mm-hmm. for the most part. I I don't think it's a masterpiece. I do think it's a little too long, but it's really good. And it's it's a movie that I can imagine watching with my dad or with my grandfather yeah. if he were still alive. And we would uh-huh. and it's we we would both really like it cuz I don't I don't re- recall specifically discussing this movie with my dad, but I I would be shocked. <laughs> I would be absolutely shocked if he Boy, did not love this movie. Boy does it feel like a dad or grandpa movie, doesn't it's it? It's a total dad movie. It's yeah, and it's like I say, it's it's a product of the final day of classical Hollywood and it feels it 
and I mean that in a good way because it's 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 a really good movie. So there you go. Okay, I pretty much mirror the same thing. I don't hate this movie. I think despite how inaccurate it is, yeah, and I find the real story far more interesting. Um, because it really does challenge what a lot of people think of. And this is our fault. We forget that there were lots of people serving in the German armed forces at the time that were doing so because if they didn't, they got shot. Yeah. And their, or their families got shot. And this is one of those few movies that kind of, it doesn't highlight it to the reality of what was going on, but it still recognized what was happening, right? Yeah. There were clear divisions between the, the, the heads of the military forces and the SS. The SS were not the military. The military still believed in things like, you know, rules of combat or <laughs> not shooting prisoners. And hmm. they, they paid that appropriately when, when the commandant gets the list and they say 50 of them were shot. He asks how many were wounded almost immediately. And you can see when he gets the answer indirectly that they just shot them. Yeah. You can see the emotional toil, the you know, the, the emotional toll that takes on the commandant right. who still believes in things like that. Who still believes in we treat these people with courtesy and respect as best as we can within our means. We are at war, but they're still people and we don't right. do this to them. Um, that's something that we just kind of, thanks to some filmmakers, which is like, fuck them. All of them are evil. And we can kill them with impunity because they're all bad all over the place. We need to grow the fuck up when it comes to our movies <laughs> and recognize that there are extenuating circumstances. Now, if you're an, a proud SS officer, kill away movies. I don't <laughs> care. If they're an obvious Nazi, just fucking do it. Okay. But I appreciated that in this movie. I, I hadn't seen this movie in a really long time, and I was glad to see that there were still hints in there um, about the one of the reasons why they could get away with this was because of the way that the camp was being run. Um, but, I mean, this is just an adventure film. Prison escape movies are popular. Even if, the, I mean, look at the the other lineup in here was Shawshank Redemption, which was a prison escape movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, if you look at prison films, they're almost universally about not what it's like to be in prison, but escaping from prison using an ingenious plan. <coughs> the other movie that kept coming up was uh, Escape from Alcatraz. Right? Yeah, yeah. The, the prison that no one could escape from. Well, some people did. <laughs> They probably were successful. I don't think they drowned in the San Francisco Bay like some people think. But, I mean, escaping from prison is a thing, and it's, it, there are mechanisms behind this kind of genre in which you come up with a plan, you work on the plan in secret. Oh, no, you almost get caught. Oh, you're fine. Then the time to escape and everything goes off. Oh, there's a couple of things. Oh, no, what's going to happen? Are they going to get caught? The difference in this film is, is that the end, the people oh. that get caught got shot. Yeah. Whoops. But it's okay because the indomitable American spirit. <laughs> He's throwing that baseball against the wall, just like always. For three, uh, more than three hour film, we don't have time for backstories. We don't have time for, you know, the families that people have at home. We don't have time to really get to know these guys. They are what they are. They are their jobs in mm-hmm. the prison. And that's all that's really important because that's the story we're telling, right? No one dies after they escape screaming, oh, mother, and then dying. Right. Oh, I good old, your sunny boy's coming home. Uh, 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 dead. Nope. That isn't, 
that isn't this movie. This movie, for the most part, 99% of it, is zero commentary, all action. You mentioned to me that you didn't mind the length as much with this movie. Not as and much. And that's because... That's because of the pacing of this film. That we don't take pauses, long pauses, to dwell on anything. We are moving as quickly as we can. When once his face loses his eyesight, he says, "Well, he can't go." James Gardner goes, "Fuck you, we can't too." That's it. That's it. We don't have long scenes of someone staring at nothing, because we got to keep moving. We got to keep going forward. We have a cast of a billion people, and, so... <laughs> and they all have lines. Okay. Right. What really, what really becomes tedious in, a, in an overly long movie is if it's overly long for the wrong reasons. There are things that they might have cut out, but this would have become even more bare bones than it was already. If we just started with them already digging the tunnels, then we don't have the prison set up. If we don't have the prison set up, then we, if we're just dropped in the middle of it while they're popping up out of the ground and they're running into the, running into the into the forest that could be an interesting beginning point but then we miss all of the ingenuity of how they got to that point in the first place if we don't show what happened to them when they escaped into the city then it becomes a false ending right yeah oh no they just got out and they just you know walked home or something (laughs) and they lived happily ever after have a good night folks bye and definitely none of them got shot Don't look Um, this up. So the movie is necessarily that long because I don't see any real fat to trim. Maybe they could have removed some of the characters, but you remove the characters. Remember, the characters are their jobs. So then you start asking questions. Where did they get those clothes from? Oh, well, let's put the tailor back in. Where did they get those documents from? Oh, shit. Okay, let's put the nearly blind dude back in (laughs) so he can do the foraging. How did they dig that tunnel? Jesus fucking Christ. Okay, fine. (laughs) Let's put all the tunnel kings back in. What did they do with the dirt? Fuck. God damn it. You know what? They crammed it up their ass. Are you happy now? No, we need to know how they got rid of the dirt. Okay, fine. We're going to show you everything. We're going to we're going to go into minute detail about how they got all the wood, how they got all the things, okay? You happy? Everything's covered. Where did they get the fat for the they skimmed it off their fucking soup. <laughs> how the war start? <laughs> What's a Nazi? What's a I'm Nazi? I'm done with all of you. I'm done with all of you. But it's the pacing yeah. that keeps it going. That makes the 3 hours kind of disappear a little bit. And um, if you're not interested in any of this, if you can't get absorbed into the escape and the aftermath of the escape, then this is going to be a chore for you. But it's entertaining, mm-hmm. and the characters are interesting. And some of them are hard asses, and some of them aren't. And, you know, you have to be goddamn blind to not like Steve McQueen, mm. for the love of God. So good. And, you know, it just it just works. It just works. I know it's inaccurate, you guys. But see, I have this thing where it's called independent study, where I can go find something that I find is interesting and then learn all about it. I don't necessarily need this to be as accurate. I think an accurate depiction of this is like a miniseries. Yeah. It's like more than just a three-hour movie. It's like you know a special on HBO that's a 12-parter, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to get everything in there. And then have the character development that maybe you necessarily would want to become more engaged with the characters. In fact, if it was a 12-part series, by the time they're getting ready to escape and you've done your job as a writer, you the tension level of their escape goes way up and the impact of their deaths at the end is far more impactful if you know them as people. Mm-hmm. But in regards to this movie, it's fun. It's a fun movie. It's a dad movie. It's a dad and grandpa movie. And some of those dad and grandpa movies are great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so this one is pretty cool. I liked it. Shot on location. Yeah. Wasn't cheap. 
I mean, not in the real location, because that would be Poland. And that belonged to the USSR at the time that the movie was being made. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's good. It's entertaining. I Fuck it. It's a classic. Steve? Oh, yeah, classic, for sure. Hooray! And now it's time for us to not recommend something. Steve, not recommend something. I am going to not recommend another movie about a prison escape. And the movie I'm not recommending is a movie called Papillon. But hold on. You might be saying what? you might be saying to yourself you might be saying to <laughs> yourself you the might, fuck you might be saying to yourself is Who is this person <laughs> I've been doing this show with? You might be saying to yourself is Steve really not recommending the classic film Papillon also starring Steve McQueen and Dustin mm-hmm. Hoffman with a screenplay by Dalton Trumbo? No, uh-huh. that is not the film I am not recommending. Oh, That's oh. a terrific film. I am not I had recommending the knife right up to my neck. I'm not recommending the 2017 remake of that film. When did that happen? In 2017. No, I mean, who thought that was a good idea? I have no idea, but it stars <laughs> it stars Rami Malek and a bunch of nobodies. <laughs> And it's not good. And it came out, it was made in 2017. It was released in 2018. It made about $5 at the box office. <laughs> it, it, has, it has a 52% on Rotten Tomatoes. And it's not good. So if you want to see another classic prison break movie and you think, oh, Papillon, that sounds good, make sure it's the first one from the 70s <laughs> and not this one. Because <laughs> I am well, definitely not recommending the 2017 version of Papillon. Thank God you, you, you saved it. Uh-huh. Yeah. You saved it. All right. As you guys know, I like to not recommend a movie from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed, and it's 1963. And I, there was no other Prison Break movie that I could find. So I'm just going to not recommend, recommend a movie, and technically a genre, that I fucking hate. Oh, boy. The movie that I'm not going to recommend is the first in this genre. It's the one that kicked it off. Mm. And it stars, uh, uh, can't remember, Danti Boar. Annette Funicello. Uh-oh. And whoever that other dip was. <laughs> Frankie? Frankie Avalon. In the movie, Beach Party. Oh, the beach movie. All of the beach party movies from the 1960s. You know, the ones that showed a lot of skin, but everyone stayed a virgin. Those movies. As God intended. Where everyone wanted to stare at Annette's tits, and they got to, but they never really got to see them. Yeah. Those movies. Wholesome. Where there's surfing from people who've never touched a surfboard in their fucking life. Those movies, the ones that had some popular band playing some goddamn song in it called the Goo Goo or whatever it is, and they've got to dance to it, and there's usually like some sort of real estate guy, and all the adults act like idiots, and the teenagers are as boring as shit. I know that some people like it in a kitschy way. I don't. (laughs) It's bad. I don't like it. There are movies made for teenagers, and they thought teenagers had nothing in their heads. So if you get a chance to watch Beach Party, don't do it. <laughs> hey, Steve. Yes, my friend. It's time for you to make a terrible choice. I know. This is the uh, time where I present uh, Steve with uh, an option of movies to choose from blindly, mm-hmm. and he's going to select the next movie we're going to review. Mm-hmm. And so this time around, Steve's going to uh, uh, pick a movie that is going to be the last thing that we're going to do in in for for example for that franchise. Okay. Oh. So here we go. You ready? Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. A. Make your selection. 
<laughs> is that are you are you trying to tell Come me on, something? Just pick the one. You have your choice. A. Okay. Um, let me think. I'm gonna choose A. I think I'm gonna go with A. Oh, good. Hey guys, we're putting a nail in this coffin. We're getting it over with. Because we gotta. We gotta put it in our rear view. Hey, we put Star Wars in our rear view. We gotta put this one in our rear view. The last time we're gonna fucking fight over this thing, and it's gonna be a real fight this time. <laughs> Steve chose A. He had nothing and nothing to choose from, but he chose A. <laughs> of, the, of the available options, it seemed the best one. The movie that we're going to review next is his last fucking chance. <laughs> to like this franchise oh boy because we're never doing it again on this show the movie we're going to review is the epic fantasy J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings The Return of the King ah that one I've been waiting <laughs> that for this one. I've been waiting for this one <laughs> If I left it up to options where it was A, B, or C, we have, we have to do it. This is the last. We did it one every year, and yes. so this is the last time, and the year's almost over, and That's I got to get it out. That's I got to get the poison out, Steve. <laughs> You've got to get the poison out. <laughs> As everyone knows, if you listen to the other one, Steve is not impressed. Yeah. Yeah, I'm that guy. I'm that guy who looks at like this, you know, decade of work crafting this meticulously realized, bringing this this beloved fantasy to life, and I look at it and go, "I mean, I never read the book. I guess it's all right." Yeah, and I'm gonna bring my A game and not cry my way through it. (laughs) (laughs) Could be a serious, serious critic and not get all blubbery because this is the blubbery one. This is the one that makes people cry. So. Next time, if you guys haven't seen it, and I have no idea who I'm talking to unless you're like a friend of Steve. Yeah, I was going to say, like, me? Yeah. <laughs> I've never I've never seen it. Well, that's why I'm making you watch yeah, it, Steve, it's... so you can finally get really angry at me. <laughs> I didn't... never would have watched this if it wasn't for this show. I didn't get angry at you when you made me watch episode three of Star Wars. That's true. <laughs> I'm not going to get angry at you for this. Because you knew how I felt about episode three of Star Wars. We're on the same page. Yeah. We're both hurting bad. And I expect I will I will I will give Lord of the Rings this much based on the two films that we've done so far. I do expect <laughs> I do expect that Return of the King will be better than episode three of Star Wars. <laughs> I will be very disappointed if it is not at least better than that. That's right. So if you guys want to get all the jokes or find out why we're drawn up divorce papers, please <laughs> listen to the next episode where we review Return of the King. Academy Award winning because yeah. God pity Academy Award <laughs> or whatever they're just like fuck it give it all if we <laughs> don't we're gonna look like jerks ten years from now it's a night off this year fellas we're giving it all to Return of the King yeah no one has to show up to the awards ceremony because we don't vote this was it <laughs> didn't matter what you voted for this year even if it was really good it's going to the Lord <laughs> of the Rings shut up I don't care we're just okay? mailing them all to Peter Jackson in a big crate it's winning Here. everything take documentary all, everything animated the, everything outstanding uh, outstanding animated short subject are you sure about this <laughs> that's it's, right all of that is wrong it's all yeah we're overlooking some of the possibly racist parts but we're getting into Lord of the Rings what is everybody's problem <laughs> and that's it You've listened to us talk about barbed wire and cows for a full two hours. Congratulations. Congratulations. 
for late seating. This has been Jason Harding. And see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives. Jason, here's something about me I bet you didn't know. What? I only drank tea once in a hospital. What? This you only drank tea once I in a hospital? I only, I only drank tea once in a hospital. Are you sure it was in a hospital? Was it in a hospital? It was. Are you sure it was tea? It was It wasn't a hospital. Now you've you've uncovered a, a repressed memory. It wasn't a hospital. It was, uh-huh. it was a bus station. Okay. And it wasn't tea. Oh, did it rhyme with tea? I don't want to talk about this anymore. Well, no, we're talking about it right now. I don't think we need. I don't think our listeners need to hear this. Why were you in a bus station? I was. I know you have a car. I was. I don't remember how I got to the bus station. I woke up <laughs> and I was already walking down the street. And you had a styrofoam cup. I had a styrofoam cup in my hand. I don't remember. Uh-oh. There was a liquid in it, and and it was warm. It was cold. It was. The, it was. No, it was, I mean the cup the, was warm. The cup was warm. <laughs> But the, the, it was cold outside, so I ducked into the bus station to get warm, and I was thirsty, so I drank what was in the cup. Okay, great. Without looking. Without even looking, yeah. Okay. Was there a man there that looked satisfied? <laughs> there was a man there who looked extremely satisfied. Okay, great. And you don't drink tea at home at all, to compare. I've never. Because... I'm I, For the purposes of this story, I have never drank tea ever. I have no idea what it tastes like at all. What a wait. You know what? Do me a favor. Yeah. Um, go to the store. Okay. Buy a tea. There's several different varieties. Oh, is there really? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And then com- compare and contrast what you drank in a bus station next to a grungy man. So you're saying that what I drank was probably not tea. No, I'm. I'm what I'm insinuating is that it was urine. What if it was... Prob- what, Maybe yours or someone else's. What if it was green tea? Because I, I hear that that has a similar look to, to urine. Who told you that? I've never, I've never. As was a, it the man? <laughs> yes, actually, he told me. He said, "Are you enjoy-, as I was drinking it?" He said, "Are you enjoying your green tea?" I see. Yeah. And would that man have a, a, a you know a clever and colorful name in your town like Crazy Waldo, or you know man who should be in jail? <laughs> no. Well, we called him we called him Flippy Bert. Great. Yeah. Okay. All right. You and I are going to have a group call with somebody. Flip, actually, okay? now that I think about it, he's. F- um, Flippy Bert the pee drinker, <laughs> which makes sense now that I put that together in my head. Okay, do you need to go throw up? I'll, I'll wait till we're done. Okay, good. All right, bye everybody. Bye everybody. Cows, barbed wire, and piss drinking. <laughs> it's the. Per- Those are all the hashtags that are going on to this review of fucking the Great Escape. <laughs> it's the perfect episode of late seating. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Let Me Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Listen. And thanks for listening.